leading us into the presence of God through praise and worship. How many of you are thankful today that the Bible says that when we choose to praise the Lord, that He inhabits the praises of His people? He meets with us. He manifests Himself among us, and that's a very powerful thing. He is worthy of our praise. He alone is worthy of our praise. And I'm thankful this morning we've had the great privilege of giving that to Him in our worship. So, uh, thank you all, and um, to God be glorified. Take your Bibles, turn with me please to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Is anybody else besides me a movie buff? I love movies. That's one of my, I always have. That's one of my favorite things to do is to um, watch movies. Uh, and, and some of my favorite movies are Christmas movies. And so throughout the holidays uh, at Christmas time, you know, me and my family make a point to watch these Christmas movies that are our favorites uh, that we've seen, you know, hundreds of times probably, but it's always a great family time to, to enjoy together those movies that we all love. Now, for the purest, some movies that people call Christmas movies wouldn't be called Christmas movies. I found that out. I remember just last year, uh, we were over at my father-in-law's house for uh, Christmas, uh, doing our Christmas over there. And my mother-in-law, we were all talking about our favorite Christmas movies. She said her favorite Christmas movie was Die Hard. And, um, and I'll never forget, one of the girls, Brandy or Erica One, said, well, Mom, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And she said, it's got Christmas trees in it. And so uh, I, I kind of agree with her. Die Hard is certainly in my top five Christmas movies. I think that's a good one. I remember Rick Burgess from the Rick and Bubba show talking about his dad. And by the way, pray for them when you pray today. His, his dad actually passed away this last week and they're doing his memorial service today. Rick Burgess is a great man of God. The Lord used him in a fantastic way. But he lost his father this week, so pray for that family. But he was telling a story about his dad. And him and his dad was talking about their favorite Christmas movies. And his dad said his favorite Christmas movie was Lonesome Dove. And, and I give him a pass on that too because uh, Lonesome Dove is probably my favorite uh, movie, whatever season it is. But uh, anyway, uh, there's a lot of movies that maybe the purist wouldn't say are Christmas movies that are our favorites. I, I, we all know, you know, The Miracle on 34th Street or uh, A Christmas Story or Christmas Vacation or Elf. All of them would be considered some traditional Christmas movies that everybody loves and enjoys. But let me give you one that maybe you have heard of or, or maybe you haven't. It, it came out in 1988. Bill Murray was actually the, uh, the lead um, in, in that movie. And it was called Scrooged. Does anybody ever saw that? That's probably my favorite Christmas movie. And really what it is is a take on uh, the Charles Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol, where Scrooge is visited by three ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. And it's a really good movie if you have a chance uh, this Christmas season, make sure and watch that one. And it is a secular movie. It's about as clean as a secular movie uh, can be, but it is a secular movie. However, it's got a really good message. Let me, let me say something or give you the, his final speech in the movie. After he had been visited by the three Christmas ghosts and he finally sees the light, the, the, the character Bill Murray plays, he, he gives a speech at the end of that, and, um, and, and it's really good. I want to read it to you this morning. He says, it's Christmas Eve. It's the one night of the year when we all act a little nicer. 
We smile a little easier. We cheer a little more. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped and wanted we would be. It's a miracle. It's really sort of a miracle because it happens every Christmas Eve. And if you waste that miracle, then you'll waste a great blessing. I know what I'm talking about. You have to do something. You have to take a chance. You have to get involved. He says there are people that are having trouble making their miracle happen. There are people that don't have enough to eat. There are people that are cold. You can go out and, and help these people. You can take a blanket and, and, and uh, out of the closet and say, here. You can make them a sandwich and say, oh, by the way, here. He said, I get it now. And if you give, then it can happen to you. Then the miracle can happen for you. Now, I know that's a secular movie, but there's a lot of really good truth in what this brother is saying. And I, I'll tell you something, folks. Really what he is describing in the Christmas spirit is actually the feeling and the doing that we should be a part of as Christians all year long. Can you say amen to that? See, see, all of us at Christmas time, he's right. We act a little nicer and smile a little easier, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's really good. But how many of you know, for the child of God, we should always have love in our hearts toward our fellow man. We should always smile a little easier. We should always act a little nicer. We should always go the extra mile to help those that are in need. We should always do what we can to honor God, love God, and love people. And so really what I want to talk to you about this morning is how we keep the Christmas spirit all year long. That's the title of my message. Take your Bibles and turn with me, please. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 is what we're going to be looking at. Now, if we're going to understand how we keep that Christmas spirit all year long, we truly need to understand what Christmas is really all about. So what is Christmas all about? I, I love Dr. Adrian Rogers. I think he probably said it best. He says a lot of things best, but he said that Christmas is actually spelled L-O-V-E. If you believe that this morning, say, say amen. A absolutely. That's certainly what Christmas is all about. Let me prove it to you. John chapter 3, verse number 16, a verse that we all know, uh, have memorized probably since we've been this high, or at least you've heard it. For God so loved what? And again, I want you to make this personal. You need to understand that if you would have been the only person in this world that needed a Savior, Jesus would have came and, and listen, had his blood spilled for you. He would have went to the cross for you. So, for God so loved Kyle that he came, that he gave. For God so loved Brandy that he gave. For God so loved Steve that he gave. You put your name in that place. God loves you. And because he loved you and loves you today, he gave the gift of his son, the gift of love at Christmas time. Christmas is truly about God's love being shown to a lost and dying world, and it was shown to us through the gift and person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing. God loves you. Now, those who are Christ followers here this morning, if you've been blood-bought, born again um, into the family of God, then you know this, you understand this. You've experienced the love of God. 
It's been shed abroad in your hearts. We'll look at that in just a minute. But for those who may not yet have been born again, those who may not yet have been have trusted in Jesus uh, and become a cross follower, let me explain this to you. And if you don't get anything else I say this morning, please get this. Whether you're sitting in this sanctuary or listening to me online, understand that God loves you. If there's one thing we need, to know, especially at Christmas time, it's that God loves you because I've come to find out that some of the most hurt, one of the most hurtful times uh, of the year for a lot of people is Christmas time. Because there are a lot of people who think that nobody loves them, nobody cares about them, nobody's going to be there for them. Let me say to you unequivocally, without stammering, stammering or stuttering, you need to understand God loves you with an unconditional everlasting love. And he loves you so much. He gave us the gift of his son so that we might have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Before you can really understand this gift and receive this gift, the Bible says you have to trust or believe on Jesus. Now, listen to me. God loves you, whoever you are. God loves you, wherever you are. God loves you, even though what you're doing, you know, is not pleasing to Him. God loves you. But let me say something very plain to you. You need to understand, God loves you too much to leave you like He finds you. God's plan for you is to invade your life and change you to be what He's truly created you to be. He wants to give you eternal life, which is abundant life. Can you say amen? He wants to do what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says. Make you a new creation in Christ Jesus so that you might be pleasing to Him and truly experience the peace, the joy, and the purpose that comes in knowing the Lord. He loves you right where you are. Right where you are, no matter what you've done. But He loves you too much to leave you like He finds you. And this morning, He's ready to change your heart and change your life. God loves you today. Christmas is God showing His love for a lost and dying world. Well, praise God for His love. How about you? <laughs> Any good? So thankful for what He's done for me, what He continues to do for me. Now, what the world desperately needs in this dark hour is love. Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 24 that in the end times, in the last days, that the love of many shall wax cold. How many of you can look on your television screen and seeing the love of many waxing cold? How many of you can look around in the world that you live in, um, whether it be uh, in your home or outside of your home or at your workplace or at the grocery store or at the ball game, wherever it is, you can look around and see that the love of many, it, it's really waxing cold. It's not what it used to be. It's what it, not what it needs to be. It's not what it's supposed to be. If there's one commodity that is lacking in this world today, it's love. The world needs it. And guess what? The world wants it. Now listen to me, church. We've got the great privilege and the great opportunity to be what the world needs. 
And I mean be what the world needs. How many of you know I'm not just about being a part of the church. I'm about being the church. And what is the church? Well, the church is the people of love. This sanctuary that the church meets in should be the place of love. Can you say amen? We're reading and preaching and teaching from the book of love. God has given us the gospel message, and that should be our mission of love. We are to be love in the lives of a lost and dying world. Amen? What a blessing. What an opportunity. Me and you as blood-bought, born-again believers have the blessing of loving others as Christ has loved us for the purpose of changing people's lives and eternities. Think about that. Is there a greater message? Is there a greater mission? And we don't want to just do it at Christmas time. I want to be involved in this each and every day. How about you? I want to make a difference in my home. I want to be a father that God is pleased with, that my children need, and a husband that God is pleased with and my wife needs. I want to be a pastor God is pleased with and my church needs. I want to be an employee. God is pleased with and my employer needs. I want to be what God has created and purposed for me to be. I want to be it. I just don't want to say it. Amen. I I just don't want to learn about it. (laughs) Anything wrong with coming in here and learning about it? No. That's what this is all about. We learn what thus says the Lord. We make that application to our lives. But application must be made. For when application is made to my life, straight from the truth of the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, when that is applied, then it changes how I live. Changes how I operate. Not just on Sunday, but on Monday. Not just on Sunday morning, but on Saturday night. Listen, it changes what I do because now I'm being what God wants me to be. Is this making sense? You'll never do what God wants you to do until you be (laughs) what God wants you to be. Dr. Warren Wiersbe has a whole commentary, different commentaries on each book of the New Testament It's called the B-Series. I love it. If you get a chance, check that out. That's what he talks about. we got to be what God wants to do what God wants. This is the place of love. We are the people of love. We're reading the book of love. We've got a message of love, and our mission is love. Not just on Christmas, but each and every day. If you believe it, say amen this morning. Now, I'm glad to tell you today, we've got a whole chapter in the Word of God devoted to the subject of love. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 comes right between 
chapters 12 and chapter number 14. You say, Brother Israel, you mean to tell me I've got up on a cold, windy, rainy Sunday morning to come all the way out to Mount Zion so that you can tell us that 13 comes between 12 and 14. Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. But I'm telling you that for a reason. That didn't just happen by happenstance or co coincidence. No, it was put there strategically by God the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, as, listen to me now, so that we might get a hold of the whole truth that's being spoken. We learned this when we studied 1 Corinthians verse by verse, chapter by chapter um, on our, in our Wednesday night Bible study. But it, you'll find out if you study 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, it's dealing with the spiritual gifts of the believer. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is dealing with love. And 1 Corinthians 14 is dealing with the power of the Holy Spirit that is evident in the life of every child of God. So really what God is trying to teach us is that if we operate in love, which is right in the center, which is should be center of everything in the child of God's life, when we operate in love, we're able to use the spiritual gifts that God the Holy Spirit has given to us in power. Can you say amen? And that's, what, that's, that's where things really uh, uh, begin to get, get exciting and God begins to do things that only God can do in and through your life. And, and that's when, listen to me now, uh, you, you, uh, you, you're really being then what God wants you to be. But it has to be centered in love. Three things that I want to share with you this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. First of all, I want you to see the virtues of love in verses 1 through 3. And then we're going to see the value of love. And then finally, we're going to see the victory that love brings. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse number 1. Watch what the scripture says there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 and the first verse. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I'm become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Let's look at that verse real carefully. Really what the writer is saying to us and to them that he's writing to in that day. He's saying, listen folks, that we can speak well, but oratory, what we say from our mouths, is no substitute for the love in our hearts that motivates us to speak what we need to speak. We must have the love as our motivation to speak truth. Nothing wrong with speaking truth. I'm glad I get to speak truth. I'm thankful that every time I stand before you and I give you God's precious word, I give you truth. God's absolute standard for living, for eternity, about us and about himself. I'm thankful I get to speak all of that. But really what 1 Corinthians 13, 1 is saying, if I don't do it in love, then I become what he says is a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I think we've had far too many messages from Dr. Sounding Brass and Reverend Tinkling Cymbal, don't you? It's possible to have the gift of preaching and teaching and not exercise that gift in love. The Lord showed me something years ago that um, I've tried to remember and I've tried to apply to my life. How many of you know you get a whole lot of more bees with honey than you do vinegar? And, and, and I want you to know 
Love sweetens the hard truth that we sometimes all have to swallow. I want you to understand that, folks, I've told you this before and will keep telling you. When I am preaching the Word of God, it, I, I never want you to feel as though I'm pointing fingers at you. I know when I point at someone else, I got three or four more pointing right back at me. I get it. I understand it. I want you to know the reason that I'm giving you this truth is because I love you too much not to. The truth is, we could, um, I, I could skip over some of the hard parts in the Word of God, the things that we really don't want to talk, to talk about, the things that really, um, listen, could ruffle feathers. But if we do that, and I don't give you the whole counsel of the Word of God, am I really doing you the service of truly being a pastor that you need in your life? I'm not. It'd be easier for me if I skipped over the hard things, but it's necessary for me and for you that we get a hold of the whole council. That we look at the Word of God in its totality because God gave it to us for a reason. Amen? But when I give you hard truth, I want you to know my goal, my purpose. What I want to do above everything else is speak that truth in love. Amen? And he says, if we don't do that, we become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Really what that means is a sounding brass is a brass, or, or, and, and that cymbal he speaks of, is a brass or a cymbal played out of time and in the wrong tune. And when we don't operate in love, we may speak truth, but we'll do it at the wrong time with the wrong motivation. Amen? A sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal can make some horrible music. And a person operating in love, even though they may be speaking truth, can make a mess in somebody else's life. You ever been around these folks that want to spit the Word of God at you all day? But they're not willing to be a shoulder to cry on? Give you counsel that you need when you need it? I've been around them. They'll bless your heart. Now listen to me, folks. We have to speak truth, but we must do it in love. Love is no substitute for oratory. Look at the second verse. What else does it say? Although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, he says not only is, listen to me now, Love greater than what we speak with our mouths. But love is also greater than even prophecy that comes from Scripture. Let me tell you what I figured out in my last 22 years of preaching. I have figured out that if I made the announcement uh, next Sunday, I'm going to start a 10-week sermon series on the end times prophecy. I can promise you I would have a whole lot more people show up for that sermon series on end times prophecy than if I stood up today and said next Sunday we're going to start a 10-part sermon series on operating in love. There'd be a whole lot more people come for the prophetic messages than they would come for the message about love. Can you say amen? 
And I, you say, brother, there's something wrong with prophecy? No, nothing wrong with prophecy. I think we ought to study it. The Bible says we're even blessed if we do study it. People want to know what's going to happen in the future, and God's Word has given us insight concerning that. And that's all a good thing. But I have been around these people, and I think that's what this is dealing with, who can split a theological hair seven ways from Sunday. They can tell you what the third toe on the left foot of the beast of Revelation is all about, but they do not have love for their fellow man. They've got truth in their mind, but hate in their heart a lot of times. Operate in arrogance and pride and act as though they're on a different plane than everybody else. You been around those folks? They know Scripture, but there's no compassion. And he says if we do that, hey, listen, we're truly not being what God wants us to be. We're not operating in love. So not only is love greater than the words we speak and the prophecy that we, that we read, but love is also greater than knowledge. It's greater than knowledge. Anything wrong with having knowledge of the Scripture? Knowledge of the Word of God? No, you need to have that. But let me say something to you. And I want to quote um, Charles Wesley, the founder of the Methodist religion. Charles Wesley said that if you have knowledge without love, it's like being, um, I don't want to misquote it, let me just read it. If you have knowledge but do not have love, Knowledge without love is called splendid ignorance. I like that. <laughs> you, you'll be ignorant. You'll just sound better being ignorant is really what he's talking about. But, but what, we, what we truly need is knowledge, listen to me now, used in love to help others. That's what he means. Knowledge is, or excuse me, love is greater than prophecy. Love is greater than knowledge. He even says that love is greater than faith. Now let me, let me say something to you. Faith is extremely important. If you agree with that this morning, say amen. Let me tell you why it's important. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to know God without faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace through faith you are saved. So we cannot know God without faith. We cannot please God without faith. Yet right there in 1 Corinthians 13, 2, the scripture tells us love is even greater than faith. He says if you have faith so that you can remove mountains and have not love, you have nothing. Now I know in the King James it says charity, but anytime you see charity in 1 Corinthians 13, you can substitute that for love. Really what the Bible is saying is, what's it matter if we have faith to say to that mountain, move and it moves, if we don't love people? It, it doesn't matter. Let's go on. Verse number 3. He says, not only is love greater than the words we speak and the prophecy we understand and the knowledge we have and the faith we exercise. Listen, love is also greater than the good works we do. And though I bestow all, bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. So you say, Rosal, if I'm giving all my goods to feed the poor, does that not mean I love them? Not necessarily. Let me tell you why. A lot of times we don't give because we love, we give out of pity. And we've probably all been guilty of that from time to time. We give out of pity or we give because of obligation that we feel. 
to do so. Sometimes we give out of guilt because we have so much. We'll give the needs they have, but will we take time to actually know that person? A lot of times we don't want to do that because then that gets messy. Right? A lot of times we don't want to do that because if we do that, then that's going to really mess with our plans. People don't need just our pity. People need someone who will meet them where they are. Extend grace to them that's been extended to us. People need a shoulder to cry on sometimes, an encouraging word. People need you to help them in more ways than just meet needs they might possess. You got me? He says, not only is love greater than just given to the poor, but it's love is also greater than even martyrdom. He says, though I give my body to be burned. They, he's talking about people who give their life for the faith. A great book that you need to read is called uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Check that out. You'll find in Fox's Book of Martyrs, there were many people that were burned alive because they professed faith in Christ. You say, brother, does it, does it mean that I love people just because I'm willing to be burned? Evidently not, or this wouldn't have been put in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, is it good to stand for the Lord? Absolutely. Will God give us the power to stand when it comes time to stand? I believe that's absolutely the truth. But I want you to know, in the meantime, what we need to be doing is loving others as Christ has loved us. Love is greater than all these things. Now, look at verse number four. Not only do I want you to see that love is virtuous. It's greater than all this stuff we've mentioned in the first three verses. You need to also see how it values you and the people around you. It says, charity suffers long, and watch what it says. It's kind. This, this is putting, um, listen, love into everyday language and making it practical for you to live out. He's saying if you're going to operate in love, what you need to be, number one, is kind and patient. Patient with those around you. Kind to those that you meet. I heard a story one time about a pastor who was uh, preaching a sermon. Uh, after he got finished preaching, he gave the altar call. A lady come up and got saved. Well, after she had gotten saved, she testified before the church. That uh, and the pastor asked her, he said, well, sister, how did you come to know Christ? Why did you want to know Jesus? She said, I came to know Jesus because I heard something you said the other day. And he said, what do you mean? What did I say? She said, well, I was standing in the back of the church, and as someone was going out, they were criticizing you very unfairly. I could see that. And he said, she said, well, while I watched you speak to that woman, I expected you uh, to, to rebuke her and to get mad, he said, she said, but you handled that situation with the utmost kindness. And she said, if that's what being a child of God is all about, I want it. You know, folks, it's easy to be kind to those that are kind to you. It's easy to do good to those that do good to you, isn't it? It gets tough 
when you're asked to be kind to those who are not kind to you and be good to those who are not good to you. To do that, you've got to have love in your heart. Amen? Every day acts of kindness, those little things, I've come to find out are really the big things. Try it at your workplace. Say good morning every morning to the people you work with. Very simple thing, that act of kindness. Just saying good morning, man. I hope everything's going good for you. You don't know what they're going through at home. You don't know what they just left. You don't know the problems they have. You don't know how they're struggling. Hey, listen, if you see somebody walking up, open the door for them and let them in before you go. And just say, God bless you. Those little acts of kindness, I promise you, go a long way with showing someone else how you care for them, how you love them. That's really what the Bible's talking about. How many of you know, a lot of times we can be theologically sound, but practically no good. It's fun to sit around and talk about theological arguments. It's fun to sit around and talk about what the Bible means uh, for us. It's, it's fun to sit around and talk about all of these great truths of Scripture. But let me tell you something. If we don't put it in shoe leather, if we don't get practical with it, it's not going to change our life or anybody else's life. And so the Bible is saying, offer a little kindness to people around you. He says, the value of love is that love does not envy. Let me tell you what I believe jealousy or envy is really all about. When you get down to the heart of the matter, if you're jealous towards someone else, what you really believe is, number one, their gain is your loss in some way. And you believe their gain is your loss in some way because you think you're more important than they are. And when we've got a jealous heart and a jealous spirit, I can promise you, not only will it ruin relationships, it will completely and totally tear down your witness. No doubt about it. So the Bible says operating in love means that we, we don't have a jealous spirit. We're not operating in a jealous spirit. We're able to give credit where credit is due because we know just because somebody else is doing well, that doesn't mean God don't love us. Do you get me? And we understand we all need the grace of God and I'm no more important than anybody else. The scripture says, listen to me now, that a man needs to be careful not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. I don't want you to think low of yourself either. That's why I try to tell my kids all the time, listen, you don't have to bow your head to anybody. You don't. Because nobody is better than you. Nobody. But also I want you to know, listen to me, you are not better than anybody else. Now why do I say that? I say that because the ground is level at the foot of the cross and all of us stand in need of a Savior. All of us are sinners who need grace. So I can't look, sit up on my spiritual high horse and look down on others I must remember, I'm not better than anybody. But praise God, everybody needs Jesus just like I do. 
That'll, that'll keep in proper, proper perspective about, listen, gains and losses and having a jealous spirit. Listen to what he says. Charity vaunteth not itself, it's not puffed up. Well, if it's not puffed up, let me tell you what that means. That means love is humble. Amen? It's humble. What does it mean to operate in love and therefore be humble? It means that you can say, I'm sorry. A prideful man can't say he's sorry. If you're operating in love, it just means that not only can you say you're sorry, but you can also say, I forgive you. See how that works in practical situations when you have a heart of love? It brings about humility in all of us. Go to verse number five. Watch this. It don't behave itself unseemly or seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinks no evil. Don't behave itself unseemly and not easily provoked. That means that, that love has an even temper. Don't have a hair trigger. Now, you can say amen or oh me, but I'm going to say oh me on this one. If there's one thing that I sometimes struggle with above everything else, it's my ungodly, evil, sinful temper. And I can promise you, I've come a long ways from where I used to be. I'm not where I need to be, but I've come a long ways. And I've seen how God has worked on me. I know it's a product of God the Holy Spirit working in my heart and working through my life. I know that's true, but also I think the older you get, you begin to realize that a lot of things you thought that used to matter a whole lot really don't matter. And there really ain't a whole lot of reason to get mad about it. A lot of it just comes by wisdom, but a lot of it comes by the power of the Spirit, by the work of the Spirit. But I, but I just got to tell you, if you're operating in love, you can't have that evil Ungodly temper. Chill out. It's going to be all right. And I'm preaching to myself. Listen, I know how it is. I know what it's like. I'm, I can be pretty fiery from time to time. People say, well, it's because you got that red hair. I think there could be some truth to that. I really do. I know myself and I know other redheads. And I kind of see the correlation a little bit. I know where they're coming from. So, so I'm, just, I'm just telling you, um, if we walk in love, <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Ann. <laughs> I've seen her laughing. I, I'm just telling you, listen, love can't have that hair trigger and be what, and if we walk in love, we can't do that because we can't be what God wants us to be. Verse number six, watch this. It rejoices not in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. Now, let, let me tell you what I believe that really talks about. Love does not always expect the worst in people. And if we're not careful, we can do that. When you've been in the ministry for a while, I can attest to this. A lot of times you become very jaded. You know, you, you, you think either... Everybody's out to get you. Or nobody likes you. And there's reasons for that. Because nothing at all hurts worse than when you've done everything you can do to help a person spiritually. For them to say things about you that are not true and do things 
that would hurt you or hurt your ministry. There's nothing that'll rip your heart out like that. Nothing. And a lot of times, if you're not careful, you become jaded thinking that's always going to happen. You always expect the worst. And the Bible is saying, look, no. If you're going to love people, you can't do that. You've got to meet them where they are. Give, give respect, a measure of respect for everybody and a measure of trust to everybody. If you're really going to have that relationship in love that you want. Verse number seven. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is the value of love. Now, let me give you the last part and I'm done. Now, I don't want you to see the virtues of love and the value of love, but look at verse number eight. See the victory that love brings. Charity never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, verse 10, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I love this. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am also known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity or love. You know what he's saying? There'll come a time when prophecy will cease because everything will be accomplished. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that time when I'm at home in my glorified body with King Jesus and I will be just as He is. There'll be no need for prophecy then. Prophecy's going to go away. Guess what else? There'll come a time when I won't need faith because my faith will be sight. I will see Jesus for who He is. I will know God in all His fullness. So I won't need faith, but guess what? will always always throughout eternity what's going to endure love because throughout the ages in eternity the reason we'll be there is all because of the gift of love that was given at Christmas not only will that be the reason we're there but I believe that'll be our operating power our love for God and our love for others Oh, listen to me, folks. Let's keep this Christmas spirit. Can you say amen? amen. Christmas is spelled L-O-V-E. Let's walk in that. Let's live that each and every day. And I tell you, when you do, you'll see God work in your life like never before. You'll see God open doors that need to be opened and close doors that need to be closed. You'll see God use you to impact others. Now, before we close, I want to do a song of invitation, brother, if you'll come on up. Listen, if you're here today and you've not yet been born again into the family of God, then you've never experienced the love of God. And if you've never experienced the love of God, guess what? You can't give the love of God to someone else. Romans chapter 5, brothers, verse number 5. Put that up for me real quick. Romans 5, 5. Watch what it says. And hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by who? The Holy Ghost, which is given to us. That means when we get the Holy Ghost, we get the love of God. And when we have the love of God, we can give. 
the love of God. But the only way you can have the love of God is if you have the person of God, the Holy Spirit, living in you. And the only way you can have God, the person of God, the Holy Spirit, living in you is by placing faith in Jesus. So today, why don't you make the decision to trust in Christ and be saved? Be born again so that you can experience this love. You can have it and you can give it. That's why I say all the time, man, a husband cannot truly love his wife effectively if he don't love Jesus and know Jesus. And a wife cannot truly love her husband effectively if she don't know Jesus and love Jesus. And kids cannot love moms and dads, and moms and dads cannot love kids unless they truly know Jesus and love Jesus. He changes everything. He makes everything better. Trust Him today. You say, Brother Israel, I've trusted the Lord, but there's a lot of people I find it hard to love. Join the crowd. So you know what I've come to figure out? Sometimes I'm hard to love, and sometimes other people are hard to love. Sometimes I'm the problem, and sometimes they're the problem. But by the grace of God, I can be changed. They can be changed. And God can be glorified. Can you say amen? But you've got to want change in your life, too. You've got to say, Lord, I, I'm struggling loving this person or that person. Help me. At Christmas time especially, Lord, help me. Deal with the people I'm going to deal with. Amen? Lord, help me. Love like you love and extend grace like it's been extended to me. Help me to do these things. This invitation is a great time to do all that. Lord, I just need some help in this situation or that situation or in this relationship or in that relationship. Lord, I want to be what you want me to be. If you need to be saved, won't you come? If you are saved, you just need God's help in certain areas. He's always listening. This invitation is for you. Everybody stand together, please. Brother, play for us.